What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, Wealth Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. Stallion, this is an episode that definitely challenged my lack of science brain, but <laughs> it really matches up with my math brain. You really wish you had paid attention in chemistry. Is that what you're saying? Not really. I, I'm grateful that I paid attention in my math classes and my business classes, because what I took <laughs> away from this is that science can truly pay off for those who are not in the science field. And that is by understanding that there are streams of income that can not only be passive in nature, but also the government looks at them in a way that can create depreciation against my active income. And that, that in of itself is super interesting. Okay. I, I want to make sure you heard what Russ just said. Depreciation against your active income. It, maybe you've been stuck in a high paying job and you love the idea of wealth without Wall Street, and you may even want to get out of that job at some point, but you have a tax problem that is keeping you from being able to save, that is keeping you to be able to invest in the things that we talk about. This is an episode you should pay attention to. Well, you, you think about it. What could we do with all the extra money that we pay in taxes? We, one of our guests, when we were out in Austin, Texas, at our uh, passive income retreat said, paying taxes is not patriotic. <laughs> that's not patriotic. Like that's not our given duty. We should not do that. As Absolutely. long as we're long as we're doing it legally. And right. today's episode gives us all an opportunity to learn how to not only create passive income streams, but also ways to reduce our active income. So if you're a, you're an active income earner and you have uh, what you would consider a tax problem, and you would like to find ways to fund IBC, you would like to find ways to create income streams in many different areas, this episode is for you. So we, at the end of this episode, we talk about a webinar and we don't do webinars all the time. Our show is not a big marketing ploy for people. I think we've done two or three webinars in our five years of, of podcasting, but this is one that we found so fascinating. We want, and we think it applies to so many people that we're going to, we asked our guest today, Mark Livingston, CPA of a publicly traded company to put on a webinar with us. So if you're interested in that webinar, go to www.s at matchrealassetpartners.com and we'll put that in the show notes. You can see it on the YouTube page if you want to. www.s at matchrealassetpartners.com and we'll send you the information so that you can participate. If you can't make the webinar, it'll be recorded. You'll have access to it. Accredited, not accredited, Joey. Can both of them participate? They both can participate at some level. So, just go to that email address, shoot us an email, and you'll get access to this um, one way or the other. Yeah, I, I love this episode. So stick around with us, right? We M Mark is a, a member in our Passive Income Mastermind. We've got to know him a lot. He is a CPA. Forgive him of that, right? So he's very analytical in his talk. <laughs> and, and Joey throws in some stupid jokes along the way, but the details in this episode are chock full of nuggets that can put 
true gold back in your pocket. Let's not take any more time. Let's jump into this episode with Mark Livingston. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome into the show today. Our good friend and passive income mastermind member, Mark Livingston, is in the flesh. Mark, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Mark, 2011, Joey was like 14 years old at that moment. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> and that it was a critical point in your life. I I have the the privilege of always taking people back to sometimes a super happy moment and sometimes not so much. And as we were talking earlier, you were sharing some things that were going on in your life in 2011 that I think was super interesting, something that made what you're doing now so much more important and worthwhile. Would you mind sharing that moment with our audience? Sure. In 2011, I got divorced from my first wife. It was a very long marriage, multi-decade marriage. And what I realized as I really just sat and took an assessment of where I was at that point in time is I had little to no savings, especially for retirement. Uh, Two children, age 15, 13, looking at college, you know, in, in a few years and no savings for that. And realized that based on my current job, current income levels at that time, there was no way I was going to get there through traditional means, you know, of, you know, saving for these items. Um, I, I was 48 years old. So, you know, not too many years left when you look at the whole scheme of your career. Well, but that's, I think, not too indifferent than a lot of us. At that time, you and your wife were making a, a, a good amount of money together. And I, I, I probably, I don't know if this was what was on your mind or not. We're probably thinking that we'll, we'll get to that. We'll be able to save for the kids' college later. We'll be able to pay for it later. We'll be able to save for our own retirement later. But we have to keep up with all the things that are going on now. Is that something that was probably going on there, too? That is correct. Um, we, we, as a combined couple, we were making a lot of money. And I think we just always viewed it as, well, we'll just spend it as it comes, you know, and and we'll be able to handle it when time comes. But now things were different once I was divorced. It's such a a wake up call, though, that you mentioned the traditional means weren't going to get you there. Right. The way that people like you, you had a good wake up call that said something has to be I have to I have to cheat the system, so to speak. Like something has to give because otherwise I don't have a really I have a bleak outcome. That is correct. You know, the way I looked at it was, you know, you're told save for 40 years while you're working and you'll be there. Uh at age 48, I had, you know, I could work, you know, well into my sixties. It wasn't really what I wanted to do, you know. So how could I get there in the next 10 years? 
that's Wall Street at its best right there. That is the accumulation approach. And somebody is saying, okay, all right, now how much money do I really need when I get to retirement? Oh, and how much can I take out? Oh, am I ever going to be able to get there? No, right? Like the <laughs> O goes to no in a hurry. And what do they do? They just work until they drop. Well, and what if I what if I had saved all those years that in that traditional method and today I'm 58 and I had planned on retiring later this year and look at what's happened to the stock market for the first half of this year. Right. You yeah. Know? That's the thing I was going to point out is that Mark woke up to it from this kind of life event that happens. But how many people never wake up to that until it's way too late? They're in their 60s and they keep waiting on that date to come. The, the game is rigged. I'm, of course, I'm speaking to the choir. If you're listening to our show, you know this is a game you can't win. And Mark, it's just, it's just interesting that you pointed out that that was a realization that you found at 48. Um, anyway, thank you for sharing that. Sure. Well, so your, your background is from corporate accounting, correct? That's correct. Uh, I've now been in the corporate accounting world 37 years. Uh, I am a CPA, although I do not specialize in taxes. I've certainly learned a lot about taxes and tax strategies. And uh, most of my career is auditing or the corporate accounting world. Today, I'm chief accounting officer at a public company. So I'm responsible for all the accounting for this company. I sign the 10K before it gets filed with SEC. So, um, so yeah, I, I feel like I've done great in my career, but that didn't put me on the right path for saving. Which is one of those things too, as as you're listening to this, you you were like, man, I, I also have not done this. I haven't prepared the way I need to. I haven't started creating passive income strategies. I haven't found all the tax strategies I need to to keep me from giving extra money. Like someone like you that were was trained in the financial industry, a CPA, right? Like someone who you would mm -hmm. think has all the access to all the ideas and strategies you didn't have it either. So I'm saying this as you're listening to say, hey, don't beat yourself up because the typical approach to finance is what got marked where he was, what maybe got where you were, where Joey and I were before we learned these things too. But the good news is, is there's, there is good news. There is things that we can learn. So Mark, you started learning different things. You started getting exposed to different strategies that not only were creating passive income, but also we're able to use your accounting brain to say, hey, there's ways to offset this income. So I don't have to pay every dollar in tax on every dollar of income that comes in. Talk to us about how that started and some of the things that's happened since. Sure. Yeah, you're exactly right. So in talking to some colleagues, somebody mentioned a book to me. That book's called Multiple Streams of Income, written by Robert Allen. That just opened my eyes to the idea that you could have passive streams of income and the idea that you can work once to create an asset and allow that asset to keep generating income for you going into the future. And it doesn't have to be just one. You can do that multiple times over and over again. Then, you know, that got me to reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Kiyosaki and all those books, you know, and that a lot of people have read. So really about 2015 is when I got super serious about it. Mm 
and formed a business plan, uh, formed an LLC, started, you know, attending meetups, doing a lot of networking, listening to podcasts, talking to potential coaches with a lot of different real estate strategies. And eventually I found uh, Mark Podolsky, the land geek, who I know that you guys know and work well with. And I view that that was really sort of my gateway drug to investing outside of Wall Street. That's what I call it for me. Um, it really convinced me that you don't have to invest through the Wall Street channels and, and what you're told every day and that you can do things on your own, even at small dollar levels and, and make a difference. And I met you guys at one of Mark's events and um, you guys exposed me to Nelson Nash and becoming your own banker. And that resonated really well with me having my financial background. And um, so that was another step. And then since we've met, you know, I also got exposed to other um, outfits, you know, that teach a lot of stuff. And I learned that I could actually use other people's money on my investments. And then I could learn to syndicate, you know, and, and, and bring other people into the deal to bring them passive income. Well, can I, I jump in there? Because I think that that's really interesting. You were saying earlier, 2011, you're 48, you're, you're staring your kids college five, six years down the road, square in the face going, how am I ever going to meet that need? While also thinking about how am I ever going to be able to retire, you know, based upon all the world's measurements on that without having this money. I'm starting over, right? I'm, I'm leaving a marriage that I've been in for, um, for many, many years. And most people say, oh, I have to do it all myself. I'm just going to have to work hard. I'm going to have to work longer. I'm going to have to maybe try to give in, get a higher paying job. But what you just said there was super interesting. I want you to hear this, Tribe, is that what Mark said is that I started to think about the fast way to get there was to start using other people's money, right? Other people's money is the opportunity that gets the wheel going faster. So talk to us about what that looked like. Yeah, so I'd like to clarify my thought about using other people's money. I don't really like the word use because we're not really using those people. What we want to do is it's valuable to have the money to, to get a deal going and you want to make sure that they're getting a fair share of the profits for providing the capital on the deal. And really I started, my first idea was in the land business. There's a lot of land investors that run out of capital. They can grow the business really fast, but they run out of capital. And I had enough savings that I could provide that capital. So I was the other money for those guys, right? That was my first step is putting myself in the position of being the, the other people's money that they could use and learning what it meant to me on that side. That helped me really understand, you know, when I started reaching out to other investors and using their capital in deals, how they needed to be treated fairly and how they needed to, to understand the deals of understand what we're doing with your money, understand how we're going to get your money back for you and understand how it provides financial incentives for everybody who's partnering together in the deal, you know, because I do believe everybody has to have a good incentive for it to be a successful deal. And it's, it's a team game. I love that. It, it, the partnership aspect of what you're talking about, is that there's value created in both in both sides of that equation 
and you know dollars follow value so both parties are able to mm-hmm. to to benefit um so so talk about going from that journey from being the other people's money like that experience to now then seeing maybe the other other side of that partnership equation for you personally what what did you do next well once i understood that that was an option i started getting some training and i got a lot of training from people on how to properly raise capital um, something that a lot of people don't really realize is that the SEC has a specific definition for syndications, and that basically is if somebody's passive in the investment, but they give you money with the expectation of profit, that's a syndication, and it's regulated by the SEC. They don't care if you call it a JV, limited partnership, whatever you know, whatever you want to call it, they define that as a syndication and they're going to regulate it. And so they have rules about how to regulate that. So I felt like I needed to get that education, understand all those rules in order to be successful and protect those investors. Yeah. Well, that's super important. But the other part, like my natural next question is you've been exposed to a bunch of different places, i.e. the land business that you could have been raising. So were you going to syndicate, uh, money for land investment or what was it that got you so fired up that you had to learn how to syndicate? Well, I'll tell you the real trigger probably for me was late 2020. Um, looking at different real estate options to syndicate and realizing that I still have a W2 job and the tax code doesn't let, uh, well, let me back up. As you know, one of the big benefits to investing in real estate and developed real estate, not to land business, is all the tax benefits, the depreciation, those types of things to offset your income and reduce your tax bill while making more money. What I realized through the tax code is that if you have a W-2 job like I do, the IRS says all those real estate losses, including the income, is passive. You can't use that depreciation to reduce the tax on your W-2 income. What I also learned was that there are certain types of assets where where an investor can be completely passive and the IRS says, well, this depreciation or tax deduction, you can use that if you have a loss to offset your W-2 income. And that is assets that are related to the production of oil and gas. And the technical term is, is you have to have a net working interest in that production. This podcast is amazing. Almost too amazing, Russ. There's too many ideas and I don't know where to get started creating passive income. Well, here's the thing, Joey. I think one of the things you need to consider in that statement is what is it costing you to not know? What is it costing you not to take action? I love the statement that says you don't have to be great to start. You just have to start to be great. If you're struggling on where to start, you have to know what type of investor you are. Know your investor DNA. And if you want to learn more about this, you can join us in our Passport Challenge at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport. Get started today. All right. So I want to, to, this is a moment, Trav, lean forward, listen closely, because if you're sitting there with a, um, you're still employed, working for someone else, bringing in active income. 100% of your income is not coming 
from passive investments, what Mark's about to talk about, is going to apply to you. Now, you may not understand it. We're, we're going to ask Mark to come back and do something with us because I, I think when you were sharing uh, what you're about to share, Mark, with our audience, one of the things that I was super excited about is the fact that I needed you to show it to me because I'm very visual, right? I knew in this podcast is going to be a chance for me to hear a piece of it, but I was going to need to see more of it. So I'm I'm pointing this out for you guys specifically because what Mark is about to share is ridiculously cool and ridiculously important for us to find ways to reduce our active income streams outside of the things we're doing passively. All right. Yeah, so this particular asset, uh, when I came across it, from another person who was syndicating investments for this equipment, I realized that I could really accelerate what I was doing and, um, and not only help myself, but then help others. So this asset is asset that actually is used to clean CO2 out of natural gas. And this is natural gas as it's being produced out of the well. It's structured with debt, and therefore, I'll just give you the the quick lowdown on the numbers is, for every dollar that you invest, you can get $2 of depreciation, and that $2 of depreciation can be used to offset your taxable income on your W-2 side, as Russ just mentioned. And it's such a valuable asset for the natural gas producer that the revenue stream is good enough that it also gives you a great cash flow. This is not like some others that give you great depreciation, but not so much cash flow. This, this can give you as much as 10% per quarter return on your investment. All right. So hold on one second. So there's natural gas production that is occurring. There's a producer. They utilize some equipment to clean the CO2 out of that natural gas in that that whole process because Russ knows a lot about natural gas. I mean, just if you get around him after he's eaten barbecue, for instance, he is a, a master at natural gas. Um, you very audibly about it, but um, so tell me what, how does that process work? So in this particular piece of equipment, uh, it has a solvent in it that will absorb CO2. And so it's designed as a small mobile unit of equipment that's mounted on a truck uh, bed and it's taken out and, and mounted at, you know, at the oil wells basically, or the gas, well, we're talking about natural gas here. The natural gas is run right through the equipment that solvent absorbs the CO2 out of it. And then the natural gas is almost pure natural gas and the operator can inject that straight into the interstate pipeline system. So right. by take by absorbing the CO2 does that help the natural gas operator to like be more productive? Does it give them more efficiency? Can they sell their gas for more? How does that help them? It helps them because in in the case uh, these are being used in the Permian Basin in West Texas and a lot of the natural gas when it comes out of the ground uh, which mo- most people don't realize it can have 20, 30% of the gas stream can be CO2. And what this does is it helps them get the gas to a more purified form of natural gas. 
in the interstate pipeline system, the federal regulators require that that natural gas be at least 95% methane molecules, which is the gas that lights when it gets to your burner tip on your stove. So it's a safety issue, but it also, um, for the operator, this helps them get their gas to the, to the right level of purity that they need to inject it into the system. Yeah. And I think this is super fascinating. By the way, I sucked at chemistry, right? Like that was a, a class I never excelled in. I know that shocks you, Joey. But when <laughs> you think about the fact that there is this production of natural gas happening, they need to get out into the, the this natural uh, or national pipeline, as you call it. Yeah. And and they, they got to get this out. So you guys are solving the problem for them to get it to that 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 next level that 95 percent ratio yeah so what do you guys do with it i know al gore doesn't want us just to release it into the atmosphere what do you guys do with so we take that solvent now that has fully absorbed co2 and inject it back into the ground and that keeps the co2 from being released into the atmosphere which is what people like al gore are telling us you know we can't do so um there's there's another benefit so there's there's two benefits one that's an environmental benefit there's also a benefit where if you inject it in the right place it can be used as a tool so what we do is we actually in, use it as an enhanced recovery tool so we actually inject it down into the formation below natural gas reservoirs or you can also do this with oil below natural gas or below oil reservoirs and it will force more production up through the wells that are already existing so you can increase production without any new drilling without any new wells on the surface and it's actually that technical aspect right there that gives us the working interest in the production of the oil or natural gas and therefore we get the proper tax treatment so you're capturing in essence revenue by capturing the carbon from the natural gas place and then you can then inject it into the ground either under the natural gas reservoir or the crude oil reservoir, which obviously if you're saying you're doing this in West Texas, there's lots of both out there. Mm -hmm. And that's enhancing the production of the gas. So now you're getting paid from the gas companies to enhance their own production. Is that what you're saying? That, that is correct. Well, and that, that's, that's primary form for the revenue. And now I'm assuming that the government at the same time is going to give you benefits because you're saving the environment from the CO2. Yeah. So for the operator who's leasing the equipment from us and getting that CO2 removed from their gas stream, I don't want to speak on their behalf, but I would assume that they can get carbon credits for that in the tax code. So there's, well, a, there's another benefit for them. So there's a lot of benefits going on. I heard two for one tax credits against your active income. I heard up to 10% per quarter in cash flow. Could we just, like, I mean, I know we're going to probably get into more detail when we actually take this off the podcast, but could we just for really quick simplicity, if someone sure. is, is trying to put in, let's but say, $100,000. Joey, let, let's use you, right? Before okay. before you met me, before I saved your life. Yes. And, and it's close to 2011, <laughs> by the way. It sounds like there was a, a theme here. That's about the times I, I, I threw you a life preserver as well. You were making $300,000. We're going to use market. We're going to use Joe as an example. You were making $300,000 high, fairly high income for a high 20 year old, right? 
That's but right. you were paying the highest amount of taxes that you possibly could at that point. So right. let's use Joey as an example. He's a good steward of his money. He's not spending it all. He's got $100,000 a year that he could do something with. Apply that to Joey. So what Joey could do in that situation is almost exactly what I did for me. He can invest $100,000 into this. Now, the fund is is taking 50% of the capital needed as equity. So that's where Joey's money would go, is part of that equity. The other 50% of the capital to buy the equipment is debt. Okay, so Joey's 100,000 is really contributing $200,000 in total to the deal. Let me state it another way. If the equipment costs $2 million, we would raise 1 million of equity, we would have 1 million of debt. And the debt providers can't use the depreciation, but you can depreciate all of the $2 million and then spread that across those that provided the million of equity. So now back to Joey, if he invests $100,000, he's gonna get $200,000 of depreciation. And because we are, um, have that networking interest, he can apply it against his salaried income, his W-2 income. So so if Joey is making $300,000 and he has $200,000 of depreciation, does that mean, I mean, just taking all other deductions away, let's just assume he had zero. We know that's not the case, even with standard deductions. But just for simplicity, does that mean his taxable income for that year would go from $300,000 to $100,000? That's absolutely correct. Oh, wow. And that drops you a lot of brackets. And not only are you paying a lot less in taxes, but that's dropping you down into smaller brackets as well. Yeah. So some of that savings is going to be in the different tax brackets. But for sake of argument, let's say that average tax savings is around 30% because we know it's going to cover a few different brackets there. That $200,000 is going to save him $60,000 of taxes. So now he's contributed $100,000 to this investment, but he's immediately in the same year saving $60,000 of taxes. And the reason I say the same year is because the other piece of the tax code we're using here is called bonus depreciation. Right now, and through the end of this year, bonus depreciation rules allow you to take 100% of your depreciation in the year the asset starts working. And so then with his $100,000, you also mentioned that he could start earning as much as 10% on that per quarter. So does that mean he's going to start getting upwards of $10,000 per quarter on his $100,000 investment? That is correct. This fund is designed that way. So the, they, it's not a variable type return based on profits. This was an, is actually structured where the investors all get a fixed return and it's a preferred return. So they're going to get it before the general partners that are sponsoring this deal get any kind of profits. And so that that's fixed at 10% per quarter, and it's a fixed period of time for seven years. So in total, over the seven years, Joey's going to get $280,000 of cash out of this as well. Wow. All right. So, and I know that we've got to wrap here, Mark, because this is one of those things where um, it's going to get super technical and we need to start showing this. Uh, one of the things that we talked about before we did this, because I was so fascinated when you were sharing this with us out in Austin, 
I wanted to share this with our audience, but we need to do it in a, in a proper format, not try to do it really fast where Joey's throwing in some stupid natural gas jokes or whatever. I want to, I want, I want to like do this in a webinar style. We don't do this very often. I, I think we've had maybe two webinars with our podcast guests in the last five years. So this, right. th- this is an amazing opportunity that I don't want to get lost in our inability to ask you proper questions or someone who's trying to run it on the treadmill and trying to figure out what we're talking about. So we're going to do a webinar with Mark. We're going to allow him to kind of break this down for us. So that way you can participate. Um, if that you see fit, you at least understand the concept. Like to me, this isn't an idea for us to be an investment advisor for you. This is an idea for us to say, hey, many of us have large active incomes that we would like to find ways to reduce because our other activities are not doing that. And I think this both creates a passive income potential as well as a tax reduction strategy. And that's two of our three pillars that we're always trying to focus on. So, Mark, we're going to do that. How how can we get people to sign up for that webinar? I think you have a an email or something that they can send stuff to, right? Yeah. So what I'd also like to talk about in that webinar is how I actually used my investment to fund an IBC policy as well. And see, he's tie in even more for for <laughs> listeners. So um, so if any of the listeners on this podcast want to learn more about you know how I created this strategy, how the how the fund with the CO2 scrubbers works and, and ask me questions. Like Russ said, you know, we've scheduled a webinar. We're going to co-host it together to get registered for that webinar. Send an email to www.s at matchrealassetpartners.com. When you email that email address, you'll get access to the registration page where the listeners can sign up join the webinar and we'll go into as much detail as as we need to to help everybody understand that strategy i can go into more detail on numbers for what i did uh the and go into more details on this asset that we're talking about i'm sure you guys can talk about infinite banking as as people need we'll open it up for q a and we'll record this so if anybody misses this webinar they can still get access to the recording later. So uh, Joey's got the webinar. It'll be in the show notes, but it's www.s at matchrealassetpartners.com. Well, and and Mark, the, the amazing thing that you're sharing with us is it's really, it's really a way to maximize, like to, to get that, that momentum going to financial freedom much, much faster. If I'm not no longer paying taxes, I would have been paying and subsequently getting a cash flow that I wouldn't have had. And I'm able to save more through infinite banking. Like this is just the trifecta of opportunities to, to maybe be that first domino. We've talked about that some uh, at our mastermind, Sharon shared that idea, the first domino. What is the first domino? Maybe this is it for you that you've been sitting there waiting for five years for us to share on our show some idea <laughs> that would be able to get you out of that active income. This could be it. So again, www.s at matchrealassetpartners.com is the email address. Send an email there and you can get access to the, the webinar. 
Man, Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's grateful to have you. And uh, we're excited to share this with our audience. This is something that I personally am interested to learn more about because I think this is something that may be a good fit for us as well. Well, thank you guys very much for, for having me and let me talk about it a little bit and share share a little bit of my journey. Uh, absolutely. Well, thank you as always for listening to this episode. If you found value in it, not only could you share this idea with one of your friends, go to www.s at matchrealassetpartners.com, but also like, rate, review the, the episode so others can find it. As, a, as always, have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.